Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the business of cannabis. On a weekly basis, Ann Donahoe and Louis Goldberg talk with the CEOs, politicians, and cultural icons driving the cannabis industry forward. This is episode 30, where Louis and Ann speak with podcaster, activist, and entrepreneur Shay Gunther. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now, on to the conversation. Welcome to the Green Rush. I'm Lewis Goldberg, and as always, joined by my wed my wed coast or West Coast co-pilot Ann Donahoe. Today we're doing something different. We've moved our little show to the Marijuana Today Network. So hopefully you found this transition easy, meaning that you still get the Green Rush in your podcast feed. Um, this is still basically the same show. It's still the same hosts, which means you'll still be getting my cheesy dad jokes. But it's going to be under a different umbrella. And that umbrella has built, been built by today's guest, Shay Gunther, host of Marijuana Today and Marijuana Today Daily. Look, it's okay if you listen to other cannabis-focused podcasts. It's not, it's not cheating, I promise. And, well, if you're going to cheat, cheat with Shay. His daily podcast, um, and he's on episode like 450 plus or something, is a must listen. If you want to know what's happening in the news around cannabis, then Shay is your man. His show is a daily wrap-up of the biggest news in cannabis from all around North America and occasionally around the world. I listen to it every day on my walk to the office, and, and Ann and I strongly encourage you to subscribe. Well, to our podcast and to Shay's. Um, so before we get on to our interview with Shay, we wanted to note that there may be a few changes to our show that we'll be rolling out over the next couple of episodes. Um, and we hope that you find them as cool and interesting and different as we do. Um, and so now it's it's on to our conversation with, uh, with Shay Gunther. Shay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I always like being on this end of the microphone. Yeah, it's, it's got to be a little different. Um, so can you tell us how you got into podcasting? Um, and yeah, that's it. That's the last cheesy uh, no uh, pot reference. No, more, no I promise. I promise. But how did you get into being a podcaster? I, I don't believe that's the last, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, All right, I, episode one, he's already calling you out for your crap, Lewis. Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's been a long time. Uh, we actually, I've been uh, podcasting in the marijuana space for uh, coming up on four years now. And uh, it originally started when me and my kind of production partner in crime, Chris Lotlicker, uh Chris actually came up with the idea of starting the podcast because he was noticing that we were having all these conversations, you know, every week with kind of the same people talking about the industry, talking about what was going on, all the developments. And we have interesting friends and he was like, we should start recording this. And uh, so, so yeah, it, you know, it took a, took a couple months to kind of just kind of pull the idea from idea to actually, you know, sitting down and recording, but, uh, we recorded 10 tests, test episodes that we never posted. Uh, we got comfortable and then we started doing it and got to the point where we just couldn't stop. So that was, uh, well, funny. four years ago. We didn't record any test episodes. We just did it. And going back and listening to our earlier ones, I wish we not having anything to do with the guests, having everything to do with with us. I wish we hadn't posted them, but, um, but we're really glad to, to talk to somebody like you about this. Yeah. Well, I appreciated the, the ability to kind of be able to screw up without anyone listening. 
Um, cause actually the funniest, <laughs> I think the funniest part of that is the very first episode, it was, uh, me, uh, Chris Lotlicker and Dan Goldman. And I was actually a, a guest and, I think the very first question was uh, put to me. And even though I knew no one was going to listen to it in all, I, I got nervous. I froze up and I didn't know what to say. And there was like a 30 second pause. And I just said, I don't think I'm going to be able to be a guest. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, for the longest time I, yeah, I, I avoided being the guest and I just focused on the news. So it ended up being, you know, good because, uh, you know, now I'm the news guy. So. That's literally how I feel every show. Um, but can we, can we, cause I wasn't really supposed to be a host and Lewis made me do it, but that's a, for another show. Um, so back when you were 21, you were able to raise $10 million. Um, and I'm just thinking back when I was 21 living with my mom and just a big dummy, how did you do that? And who gave you $10 million and what did you do with it? Yeah. Uh, that, that was, uh, that was an interesting time in my life. Uh, so I was, I I was lucky. I caught the very tail end of the, the first dot-com bubble. So, you know, for, for younger listeners or people who just weren't paying attention back then, uh, you know, back in the, the late nineties, there was a period where you could raise millions of dollars by, uh, you know, with a crazy tech idea and claims of having lots of eyeballs. And so, uh, I managed to connect with a, a friend of mine, a guy named by the name of Nate Wheeler, who's just a, you know, super smart guy, uh, really top, uh, quality, you know, top notch salesperson. Uh, and we kind of put this idea together, uh, for, I guess I'd call it YouTube too early. Um, you know, the idea was that anyone could have a website that they could post videos to and share with their friends. Uh, the only problem was that it was the late nineties and no one actually had bandwidth. No one had cell phones and very few people actually watched videos online. So the, the actual user, the viewing experience of watching, you know, a video online was, was not great. So we were, uh, yeah, a little too ahead of the curve, but we still managed to, to raise, uh, millions of dollars in venture capital. So that was a fun thing to do when you're 21. It's funny. I did. I worked in a similar type of space at that time. Actually, I was uh, working for a, a, a an online TV network. They aggregated the news from around the world, and it was like they would get CCTV, Central China TV, and get it in English, so that if you were a business traveler, you could see the news of whatever country you were going to in English. It was amazing, and it was just way too early. Um, but podcasting isn't. I think podcasting is a, a an art form as a vehicle for communicating is really starting to mature. Um, and our audience is clearly a fan of podcasts. I mean, well, you know, whoever's listening clearly is listening. So um, many of, of our fans have entertained the idea of starting their own show. And personally, I tell you to do it. I love podcasts and it, and it blows me away that people actually listen to me talk about this stuff. Um, can you tell us about how you created your show? Like the concept of marijuana today, where did that come from? How did you put it together? Like how did it develop? Yeah. So, so just to be clear, so I, I produced two shows, uh, a weekly show called marijuana today, and then a, a daily show called marijuana today daily and uh, marijuana. So marijuana today, uh, marijuana today is the weekly show. It's about an hour long and it's uh, kind of like a round table discussion where we have a host and a bunch of uh, regulars talk about the week in news. Um, so yeah, like, you know, like I said, Chris came up with the idea to, to, to do that. Cause you know, we were kind of having those discussions anyways. And so, um, you know, the, 
Chris uh, listens to a lot of uh, video game podcasts and he definitely kind of drove the conversation initially over how the, you know, kind of the structure of the, the show went. So, um, so yeah, we, you know, kind of dive into the, the top three stories of the week and then, um, you know, kind of break it up with, with some things where we let, you know, our, our, our guests talk about things that they want to talk about. And then, um, you know, really just really diving into, you know, the three or four more, three or four things that are really most important. So, um, the, the daily show, uh, that, that came about, uh, two years ago and really marked my entrance as, you know, as a, as a professional podcaster, because for the first two years, we produced marijuana today just as a, as a hobby, you know, as it, it's just a thing we did every week with our friends. And, you know, even though I knew that there definitely was a business there, uh, you know, I had, I was actually going to school when we first, um, started the, the, the weekly show. And then I, uh, started working with, uh, Forefront, uh, actually in, in marijuana uh, publishing. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't start until I started the daily show, uh, two years ago that actually considered it my job. So that's, that's the show where I'm waking up every morning, reading a ton of news and saying, here are the 10 most important stories of the day. So, um, by the way, every time you mention one of the stories that we placed on behalf of one of my clients, <laughs> I get so excited <laughs> and we don't send them to you. We don't like, we don't like point out, say, Hey, this is something that we did. Um, but I always get excited when that happens. Yeah, that's great. How early do you get up for that? Uh, I wake up at uh, about 4.45 a.m. every morning. Ugh. And uh, I, you know, my deadlines are, I have a seven o'clock deadline to get my, my newsletter out. So, uh, so yeah, so I spend, um, yeah, about two hours, uh, you know, reading the news and or organizing the news and doing all the things that you need to do to, you know, have it be in people's inboxes at seven o'clock. And then uh, 11 o'clock is when, uh, well, 11 to 12 is when uh, my podcast goes up. So um, it takes a few more hours to produce the the show on top of once I, you know, I kind of have the, have the uh, initial batch of, of uh, headlines for that day. So you so, read, oh, go ahead. And nope. <laughs> We're really good at this after 30 episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> how did you start building your audience? How did, how did people find your show? How did you market it? It's been entirely personal network and word of mouth. Uh, we, you know, we've spent no money on, on it. I mean, for the first two years, it was, it was just a hobby. So it was like, you know, sharing it on Facebook and sending around to our friends. And, um, you know, we all happen to have pretty extensive networks within the industry. So I think, you know, that, that helped, um, you know, the, the, the people that we're friends with and that we know that, you know, personally are people, you know, actually in business and in activism, you know, leading organizations and, and companies. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely helped because, you know, they're just, they're influential and, you know, when they share it with their Facebook friends and, you know, they have a lot of people, you know, in the industry. So, you know, we're, I mean, we're, and we're a super industry, you know, marijuana nerdy show. So, uh, so yeah, so you really, you really have to be into legal marijuana to, to listen to, to our shows. So, um, and then over the past two years, it's, it's really kind of been the same. I mean, I've been, it's mostly been kind of like a one man show as far as like the, the business and production side of it. Um, you know, with me doing the daily show and actually producing the weekly show and, and I've mostly just been focusing my time on, you know, creating the content and, and the listeners have kind of shared it on their own. So, uh, you know, we have a, we have about. 25 or 30,000 people listening to us both shows over, over the month. Um, and 
it's all come about just organically, um, which has resulted in a really, really fantastic audience. Like we've done a lot of uh, demographic surveys of people who listen to our show and, uh, you know, they're all hiring, highly educated, you know, people who are most likely, you know, either in the in the industry or or trying to be. So we're, we're kind of a, a demographic dream as for, you know, for sponsors. <laughs> And, and, and now that we're working together, uh, hopefully we'll get the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's go back though. You, you, cause you were describing your day and you have to read a ton of news. Um, you know, the mainstream media historically has done a, a, a mediocre to odd job of covering the space. Who do you think does the best job in the mainstream media? Um, and do you think they're getting better? I, th- I think the mainstream media is uh, using less pot puns, uh, w- which is good. And uh, they're, it's, they're, yeah, they're, they're definitely taking it more seriously. Uh, you know, there's, there's more stories about it being, uh, you know, business. And uh, I mean, really, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to sustain, you know, making fun of something when there are just so many legitimate storylines breaking every day. I mean, I wake up and there are, you know, 50, 30 to 40 to 50, depending on the day, legitimate news stories about uh, marijuana. And so, uh, you know, it's it's getting harder to, to just get away with kind of being the ha ha ha, everyone's getting high. Um, so um, but to, I guess, answer your question specifically, um, the I mean, the, the the really the hardest guy in marijuana, hardest working guy in marijuana news is uh, Tom Angel. Um, I, I don't know mm. if you guys uh, yeah. you know, read his stuff. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, so Tom Angel, uh, he writes for Forbes. Uh, he has his own site at Marijuana Moments. And uh, he has he's a longtime activist, uh, you know, and a longtime journalist. And he you know, he's the kind of guy that actually makes news. You know, he's, you know, listening to, uh, you know, C-SPAN hearings and he's, you know, looking through, uh, you know, PDF documents from the government. And he has all these, you know, these special searches. And uh, I mean, Tom Angel breaks more news than than really anyone anywhere. Um, so yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm glad that we have Tom and, and I'm also glad that, you know, his, his site is, uh, is taking off is just as far as, uh, yeah, he's, you know, starting to get some, um, he just hired his first writer. So that, that's always a good thing. Um, so yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean the Associated Press, they're starting to pick up high, you know, their coverage, uh, Herman Lopez at, at Vox, uh, is, uh, you know, I guess he's, he's mainstream, he covers mainstream stuff. Uh, he always, uh, covers the, um, subject well, uh, Dan Adams at the Boston Globe, uh, covers the Massachusetts scene really well. Um, there's a lot of good kind of regional writers who kind of, you know, cover their specific region well. So, um, it's, it's exciting because, you know, of, of all the, st- all, all the sources for our stories every day. Uh, it's, it's mostly, you know, like local or national, you know, mainstream sources, you know, it's not just high times. A little bit off here. Um, you know, you, you're using the word marijuana all the time. Your, your show is called marijuana. Um, and you know, for as long as I've been in the industry, there's been this kind of move to, to walk away from that word. How come you've so deeply embraced it? Yeah. So I, uh, I, I mean, I, I understand, uh, I understand that, that whole thing, but I, I just, I, I don't buy it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, there's the argument that, uh, the term marijuana has racist connotations because of, you know, that's just where it came about in the 1920s and thirties. And, um, 
you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not going to argue about that, but, uh, I, it's, it's kind of grown and involved its own thing. Like I, I, I think it'd be silly to walk away from the term marijuana cause it, it is marijuana. Uh, it's also cannabis. <laughs> uh, that's actually, I mean, that's, right. that's, if you listen to my show, it's like, I alternate between marijuana and cannabis because, you know, some sentences, like I, I have to use the word marijuana three times. And so if it's just like marijuana, 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 it, yeah, it, 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 great. So uh, I'm I'm happy that I have both words. Uh, and you know, just on the broader image, broader topic, like I I I I think sure you can argue that. I think it's a lost cause. I don't think anyone's going to be able to 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 brand away marijuana. So you are, I mean, having been in the industry for so long and being on the the advocacy side of it um, and on the media side. Uh, it, it seems that the country in general has, um, it seems that they've embraced cannabis overnight, but legalization overnight, that's really not true. Um, it seems like there was an, sort of an inflection point about five or six years ago where public opinion just, just flipped. Um, as an observer of the industry and an advocate, what do you think was the cause of that? I mean, could you, you, know, could you see yourself five years ago doing what you're doing today? Um, well, so when I got started in this in 19, uh, you know, 95, 96, uh, I thought we were going to be done with it in like five years. So, uh, I was, I was maybe a little bit ambitious in my thinking. Wait, when done, I was with uh, done with it in legal? I thought we're, no, I thought we were like, oh, right, five years, uh, no, five years. We got this thing legalized. We'll, we'll be in and out. We'll get this thing done. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you in, thought, you thought Clinton was going to do yeah. this? Well, I was, I was, I was 18, you know, 19. Well, what the hell? <laughs> Um, you, you should be when you're 18 or 19, you should think it's only going to take five years to change your world. Um, but yeah, so it's taken a little bit longer. Um, I, I don't know. I think that, um, you know, it, public opinion kind of slowly changed. I mean, in, in the late nineties, it was like, you know, 25% of the country thought that, you know, adult use should be legalized. Uh, nowadays it's, I think it's, uh, 60, it's pushing 60. Um, and you know, in, in 2012, um, Colorado passed, uh, uh, passed, uh, adult use and, uh, the world started seeing that it doesn't, it doesn't destroy your world. You know, the streets don't fall apart and, you know, children don't the all streets be- get fixed. Yeah. The streets <laughs> get fixed and your economy approves and people move to your state and housing becomes expensive and, uh, yeah, all, all, all that stuff. And, and fewer people are arrested and, and taxes grow. It's like, it's, it's a net benefit. Yeah. And, and, and really, and also, uh, when, uh, when white guys started making money, uh, you know, when, when, when white guys in suits start making money, uh, then, uh, that will continue. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it, that creates its own just momentum just putting aside all the issues wrapped up in that. But, uh, you know, just the fact that it's, it's a, it's a business now. There's, there's more people with a, an economic interest in seeing, you know, the markets grow and the markets uh, stay protected and, um, you know, the lot people like money. And if there's a, a legal way that they can, they can make money, then, um, you know, they're going to push for more of that. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was, uh, it was a long time coming and then it just kind of started, yeah, the deluge started. And, and, and it seems like it's accelerating, right? I mean, it's not slowing oh, down. I mean, that's, that's how all, you know, kind of big social change happens. Yeah. But on the business side, it's, it's this, there's this unbelievable velocity, you know, the, you know, the, the acquisition of Aurora, uh, buying med relief, you know, for $2.3 billion. Uh, it's hard to fathom that two public cannabis companies, both 
worth more than a billion dollars went through an M&A. So, uh, and then on the political side, you got, you know, every day it seems like another politician is coming out in favor of cannabis. You know, this this week, and we're recording this on um, May 24th, May 20th, no, no, May 25th, I'm sorry. Um, you know, the, the New York State Democratic Committee put adult use in their their plank, their their party platform for the gubernatorial election. And Mayor de Blasio said to the to the police, you can't arrest anybody for smoking a joint. Um, the industry, though, is really young. Uh, does the velocity that this is changing concern you? Well, I, I think there's a... I think there's a valid argument that, uh, yeah, there's, there's something positive about having some time to develop, uh, you know, the market at a slower pace. You know, if, if everything were made, you know, legal overnight, hundred percent federally, you know, three years ago, all at once, you know, everywhere, uh, you know, things would look a lot different than it does now. And, and I don't know if it's going to be better, it'd be better or worse, but I think, by having some of the friction of uh, federal illegality, it's uh, it's given some space, you know, for for smaller operators to 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 be built. Um, I'm entrepreneurial. I'm super capitalist, but I definitely would like to see you know an industry with you know a thousand millionaires rather than one billionaire. So um, I guess I just uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but because on a, a social justice uh, perspective, it definitely. I mean it. We need to stop putting people in jail. So, uh, so any delay in that is is, is bad. So uh, that's that's the that's the dance. Well, it seems like the especially in a state like New Jersey, that's what's going to be slowing down. At least that's what the some of the Democrats um, who are who are trying to slow it down are saying that you know you guys need to start paying attention to the social justice issues and to the the you know people of color who are disproportionately locked up, um, and that's kind of being ignored while the state is is plowing ahead with. Uh, their, you know, adult use and, and Phil Murphy's platform. Um, you know, do, do you see that as a good thing? Um, or do you, do you, you know, what, what are your thoughts there? I, th- I think that uh, states need to look to Massachusetts uh, for how to, how to do it. Um, uh, so, you know, a little bit of disclosure, uh, Shaleen Title is one of the members of the Massachusetts uh, Cannabis Control Commission, and she's one of our uh, uh, regulars on hiatus on, on marijuana today. And she's an uh, SSDP alumni and, uh, you know, a, a, an activist and really gets the, you know, the social justice side of things. And she's been, uh, you know, really been kind of the, the, the catalyst for, you know, Massachusetts program, which uh, actually, you know, takes a look at, uh, the, you know, the kind of the disparities, um, and the kind of, uh, looks at, you know, the communities that have been kind of historically most economically and, uh, you know, just impacted negatively by the war on drugs, uh, you know, looking at ways to, to kind of even out the, 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 the business playing fields. Um, and, um, from some recent stories, it sounds like it's, it's, you know, kind of, being implemented imperfectly. Um, but the fact that they're doing it is, is, is hugely important. So, uh, I think that yeah, states need to definitely need to have, it needs to be baked into the plan that uh, there needs to be some kind of system, uh, you know, that, that does give, uh, some, some advantages, some, some steps up to, uh, you know, people from communities that have, you know, been, been just, yeah, crapped on and, and thrown in jail and, and, uh, you know, borne the brunt of this thing. 
So we're just about 30 minutes. Um, and while now we have no constraints on our time, um, I do think that for our audience, they have to get used to growing into, you know, a little, a little freer structure to this, I think. But that said, um, we are at the point in our show where we do puff, puff, pass. Um, that's where we're going to ask you quickly to pick two things out about the industry that you absolutely love and the one thing that's driving you nuts. So Shay, puff, puff, pass. Yeah. So, uh, for my first thing, I'm going to, I'm going to shout it back out to, uh, Tom Angel's, uh, marijuana moments, uh, that I mentioned earlier. If, if you go to marijuanamoments.com, uh, you'll find the, the website. And so, so Tom is a uh, fantastic writer, uh, and, uh, and yeah, just the, kind of most hard-nosed, you know, journalists in the industry. But the uh, exciting news is that he recently uh, added his first uh, new writer to his site. So uh, Kyle Yeager is uh, Tom's new writer at Marijuana Moment. And together, those guys are just uh, churning out uh, originally reported uh, industry content. So if you are not a Marijuana Moment reader or subscriber to his uh, newsletter, I would do that. The uh, second puff, I'm going to have to give a shout out to SSDP, Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Uh, that was the group that I started way back in the 90s uh, that has grown since grown into one of the most effective agents of change in the industry and the world of drug policy and marijuana. And this year is their official 20th anniversary. So uh, that makes me feel old. But uh, you can learn about Students for Sensible Drug Policy at ssdp.org if you don't know about them. And for my pass, uh, I'm going to have to pass on California Congressman Dana Rohrbacher. He is a noted longtime supporter of the industry and a big ally of legal cannabis. But Dana Rohrbacher is uh, he's kind of a shitbag, uh, if you excuse my language. Uh, <laughs> So recently, the, the 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 big recent headline is that he just told a bunch of realtors that he thinks that people should not be should to should, should be able to not sell their house to gay people because they don't think because if they think that gay people are wrong, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, that's just stupid uh, on so many levels. So uh, wow. and the fact that he appears to be a uh, Russian agent. So um, that may be more more yeah fundamental but uh yeah for that reason i think that our industry needs to find some new allies and needs to drop our man crush uh our legislative crush on representative dana Rohrbacher. so <laughs> oh my god he didn't do that come on really he did he Holy was giving shit. a speech to yeah it was uh i, I forget what, some kind of realtor like orange county group of realtors and said that he thought that yeah people should if they if it Went against their core beliefs. You should not be able to sell to a gay couple. Wow. Wow. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, yeah, oh, that's God. like so just fundamentally disturbing. Um, Way to end it, Shay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Welp. So <laughs> thanks for listening to The Green Rush. Um, we've been talking uh, with our new friend, Shay Gunther, uh, the host and creator of Marijuana Today and Marijuana Today Daily. Both are absolutely required listening. Um, we hope that you'll join us again, Shay, um, now that you're our, our producer. So anytime. Um, Find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at KCSA underscore cannabis. Um, feel free to email Lewis about how cheesy he is at greenrush at kcsa.com. Um, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. 
And Anne, as always, you are a little jar of joy. <laughs>